Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word. Oh, how I want to listen to your voice, how I want to listen to your word. And Lord, I pray that our lives will be surrendered in our theme and singing this evening. It's just been a matter of surrendering our life, our lives to your word and to your will. And may that be our heart's desire. Bless in the preaching, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What we read in the three verses of Daniel chapter 6 is an amazing, almost an unbelievable story. When you realize just a young man is taken from Jerusalem to some 600 miles away to a heathen land as a captive to be trained to serve the king of Babylon. And when you go from chapter 1 and Daniel going from being a captive to in these verses he becomes the president of all of the kingdom. That's an amazing story. I want to preach tonight on this subject, prophet or prisoner. God just needs a man. Prophet or prisoner, God just needs a man. As we read the pages of history, and I'm talking about his story. That's what history is to me. It's God's story. We find the testimony and we find the power of revival and we find the effects of spiritual awakenings. Times when people come to the realization that God is to be first and foremost in their life. As the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that he would have the preeminence in our life. And God is not just there, but we, are, we have a burning desire to please Him. We don't need anybody to remind us, hey, don't forget to pray today. That's what's on our mind if we wake up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. We want to please God. We have a revival, a spiritual awakening is when no, no, nobody has to remind you to read the Bible, but you have a hunger for God to the place that you open the Word of God and you say, God... I want you to speak to my heart. I want to do more than check off a box. Now the truth is, if that's all you do, it's better not checking the box. But I want to do more than check the box. I want God to speak to my heart. And revival is when there's a fire that burns on the inside. I'm glad that since that night on a Sunday night some years ago, when I looked into a star-filled sky and I gave my life to God, that there's been a fire burning in my heart to please Him and to serve Him and to know Him. A time when there is a desire, a fervency in the matter of doing right and pleasing God. As we go through history and go through the Word of God, we learn that there were different places effects and magnitudes of revival or a spiritual awakening. We read some that are national. They're huge. They were usually led by a righteous king. Some were, some revivals or spiritual awakenings were regional. And they were typically the result of a prophet and or a king 
that led a group of people to follow the law or follow the word of God. Some spiritual awakenings were very local and were the influence of a prophet or a preacher and even a supernatural act or a move of God. Sometimes and most of the time a judgment. Some spiritual awakenings were even in foreign or in heathen countries that knew nothing of God traditionally or culturally. But they were brought about by one person that had committed their life to God. Whether they were a prophet or a prisoner, they were on fire for God. They may not have been home. They may not have been in the temple. They may not have been in their place of worship. They may have been in a heathen land, but their love for God was so real as was Daniel's that he continued his daily activity of worshiping God and spending time in prayer in Babylon just like he did in the city of Jerusalem. National revivals were few in number. In Israel, there was a time of revival when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel after it had been stolen away by the enemy. Kings like jo a young Josiah, or later Hezekiah, they were kings not of all the nation, but of Judah, the southern half, and they saw revival in their day as a return to, the, uh, to living by the law of God as given by Moses. We read of revivals that took place in cities such as Nineveh. Now, Nineveh hated God and they hated the people of God. It is said of Nineveh that they thought of ways not only to kill Christians, but to torture Christians. They would fillet Christians alive. I mean, literally cut them up because they so hated God. No wonder Jonah, uh, that's a new name, that's a new man. I just made him up. Um, no wonder Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. You wouldn't have wanted to go to Nineveh either. Jonah went down and preached a message entitled 40 Days to Judgment. The king put on sackcloth and ashes and he repented and he begged God for forgiveness and led the whole city, the whole place in revival. As you go through the scripture, you find stories like Acts chapter 8 where Philip went down to Samaria. The church had, been, had come under persecution and they were scattered and they went everywhere preaching the word and he went to Samaria and saw somewhat of a revival. Now, it was not citywide, but it was effective and it was an influential revival. I think of the words that the king said, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the, the ruler uh, said to Paul, we told you not to teach anymore in his name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. The work of Paul influenced the entire city of Jerusalem. Some revivals were regional. Elijah led the people to cry, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. You may recall 
after he was challenged by the false prophet uh, that uh, and, and the, the false prophets and they prayed to their gods and nothing happened nothing ever has happened nothing ever will happen praying to an imaginary God but when Elijah began to pray the fire of heaven fell up to that point the people wouldn't say amen they wouldn't say anything in fact the Bible said and they answered him not a word but when Elijah prayed and the fire of God fell the people cried the Lord he is God the Lord he is God it's interesting that some spiritual awakenings even came to heathen lands you may recall the story in Esther when the Persians under King Ahasuerus influenced by wicked Haman they were going to kill all of the Jews you talk about a wicked plot and a hatred for God. They decided that they would have every single Jew annihilated. And word went out and on a particular day all of those Jews would be killed. And Haman and his wicked heart and mind would be rid of not only people like Mordecai but all of the Jews and they would be gone. But Mordecai went to Esther the queen and in the providence of God to give her such an opportunity, he told her, he said, you need to tell the king what's happening and what Haman has introduced and what he is going to do. And Esther knew if she went before the king uninvited that she could lose her life, but she made the statement, if I perish, I perish. You know the story, she did go before the king and the plot of Haman was revealed. When you get to Esther chapter 8 and verse number 17, the Bible says that there were many who became Jews because they feared the God of Esther. What a testimony. I don't know about you, but that speaks to my heart saying somebody ought to be a testimony today. Somebody ought to be a testimony in school. Somebody ought to be a testimony in college. Somebody ought to be a testimony in my neighborhood. Somebody ought to be a testimony in my family. Somebody ought to be a testimony for right and for good. And the truth is, whether you're a prisoner or a prophet, God's looking for just a man that will honor him. And then there's the influence of Daniel in a heathen land taken captive to Babylon, a land that made laws that said, you can't pray to anything or anyone except our king. Now, they didn't care about the loyalty of the king. As most liberals, they don't care about what they talk about. They care about themselves. They didn't care about loyalty to the king. They just wanted to get rid of Daniel. It was easy to see what they had connived and what they had done because they knew Daniel was a man of faith and faithfulness. And the Bible said he opened his windows toward Jerusalem three times a day as he had done a four time. And when he prayed, of course, they threw him in the lion's den. Thank God Daniel didn't turn or lose his faith in God. Daniel stood. And our text tells us that Daniel eventually becomes one of three and the first of three presidents of that land. And a man of God, a prisoner in a strange land, brought a great spiritual influence and in worship of God even to heathen Babylon. There have been times in Scripture 
And there have been times in our world that there was but a lamp of light burning. And that's all was left. There was but a candle of a light of truth burning. There was but a very small remnant of truth and right that was left on the earth. And there have been times referred to as dark ages and other references where it seemed that all light of truth had been extinguished. Isaiah said this, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Ezra said, and now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, the Bible says, Sadly, and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, the lamp had almost gone out, a lamp that was to never be extinguished, a lamp, a light that was to always burn and represent the person of God. And there it was in the temple and Eli had grown so cold he hadn't heard from God in such a long time. And there the lamp of God was about to go out and oh, we read these words and Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel and he answered and said, Here am I. I'm thankful tonight for the churches across America. They may not be known outside of a small area or a small town. But I'm thankful for every nail, for every lamp, for every candle of the Lord of light, of truth that's burning across our nation and across our world. Now the truth is tonight in my heart I would love to see a national revival in America. You, what do you mean by that preacher? I, I would like to see our nation confess its sins. Be a wonderful thing if we didn't have to ask the Supreme Court what's right and wrong. Be a good thing we just decide God's already held court and already decided what's right and what's wrong. We're just going to do right because God said to do right. We're going to ask God for the forgiveness of our sins, uh, the sins of abortion and immorality and immodesty and all of the idolatry and all of the things. I'd love to see that kind of revival in our nation. I'd love to see... Our children walk back into school tomorrow and a Bible be on the desk of every teacher. I remember in public school when I was a boy, the King James Bible was on the desk of my teachers. I remember singing songs in school that we sang in Sunday school. I, re I remember teachers reading the Bible. I, 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 I remember teachers having prayer. I remember pledging to the flag every morning. I just thought that's what school was all about. I'd love to see that happen again. The truth is, as I understand the prophecy of this book, 
And as I understand the last days and I watch them unfold, even in the day in which we live, even the news that we see unfolding in our nation and in our world today, we're going to see the wickedness of men wax worse and worse. We're going to see the deception of men uh, just continue to go. And, and it's mind-boggling when you look at life through the lenses of the Word of God and to see how ridiculous and how foolish some of these things are in our world. I saw an advertisement today. The gambling place down here on Red Mile is running a special today. They have a promotion. If you bring a friend today, they'll give you $10 of gambling money. That's their promotion. And the governor's had his lawyers working through Thanksgiving to close Christian schools. But they're promoting to bring folks to the gambling parlor. And then to talk about God and talk about church and talk about loving your neighbor. Now that's not confusing to those of us who know the book. It's not. I would like to see... I'd like to see states and regions change, but I know according to Scripture that the wickedness of man and the deception of man is going to wax worse and worse. But I want to tell you something tonight. I want to see a spiritual influence to be as large. I want it to, uh, to, to burn as a fire just as big as you and I can make it burn. I want to put every limb, every log, everything that will burn on the fire of revival and say whether we ever see revival in a nation or not, whether we ever see revival in a region or not, first of all, I want to see revival. I want to live in revival in my life. I love those songs like they just sang, but I don't want them to be just a song. I want to live that in my life. I want to see that. Our Christian school is not a place that is an escape from the world, though we may consider it that. It's a place for us to learn to become servants of Christ and to be a Christian that's godly and separated and that lives right. Our college is not just a place that is an extension of a youth department of a church, but it's preparation for ministry. It's boot camp for the uh, uh, ministry and learning to prepare to serve God. And I want to tell you tonight, I long to see revival and I want it to be as big as we can make it, as big as God can make that in our life and in the world that we live in. As I read these, I, I, I read of Eli, the priest. His sons are wicked. What an embarrassment it is. But I'm still glad Hannah took that boy down and gave him to God just like she said she was going to. And the Bible says God spoke to Samuel and he said, Here am I. When's the last time you said to God, Here am I? I, I, I want to do your will. 
Do we believe tonight that as Daniel made a difference in Babylon, do we believe tonight as a difference was made in Israel because of Elijah uh, getting a hold of God in prayer? Do we believe tonight as Nehemiah when he rebuilt the walls around the city of Jerusalem? Do we believe tonight as did Hezekiah when he uh, protected the nation by faith and the Assyrians were stopped and could not come down and 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 to invade Judah. Do we believe tonight that there is a purpose for our life? We've not been put in life just to work a few hours, collect a paycheck and spend it, work a few hours. And I'm not belittling our lives. There is an enjoyment to family. There's an enjoyment to living. But life is so much bigger than that. God has a will for our life. And just as much as Daniel was chosen to live in Hezekiah and Samuel and whomever you may say, God has a will for our life. And that will is to be a part of having a hunger for God Almighty. I want to give you five things quickly. Last week we had a two-hour gospel singing and 25 minutes of preaching tonight. We had 25 minutes of singing. (laughs) You love it when I joke like that. It's my best jokes, isn't it? That's my best ones. There are five things that are common among these men that made a difference. I want to give these five things to you tonight. You say, preacher, how can I make a difference? How can I as a mom? How can I as a dad? How can I as a grandfather? How can I as a grandmother? How can I as a child? How can I as a teenager? How can I as a college student? How can I make a difference for revival, for God, for spiritual awakening and life and light and fire? In my world, here's what they did. First of all, they had a personal walk with God. Their relationship with God was so real. And as we looked in our Sunday school lesson this morning in Psalm 92, talking about that deep and abiding relationship with God, to know His Word, to hunger for God, to spend time with God in prayer, to be filled with the Spirit of God. These people had a personal relationship and a daily walk with God. They didn't have to have a reminder. They didn't have to get sick before they prayed. They didn't have to have a near tragic accident before they called on God. That's what they hungered for when they woke up in the morning. They didn't fill themselves with the things of the world. They didn't fill themselves with the movies and the internet and all of those things. They were hungry for God and God satisfied their soul. They had a walk with God. I want to say to you tonight, If you don't have a walk with God, you're on a path of destruction and you may think not and you may think this is just a matter of playing games. You may be here tonight just to see a friend or spend time with somebody else and I'm glad that every single person is here but we need more than the fellowship of God's people. You and I need a personal walk with God that we meet with Him day in and day out and our fellowship with God means something to us. Second of all, they had a surrender to the will of God for their lives. It wasn't a part-time place of service. It was their life. And I'm not saying everyone has to surrender to a full-time position of serving God. But I'm saying God ought to have all of you. 
a surrender to the will of God as the songs that we sang in the service and the special before the message that, that, that there would be a surrender to the will of God. Think about it. God has a will for our lives. One of the most amazing things I realized I'd been saved for some time but I realized as a teenager God had a will for my life. Just like God had a will for David to obey his daddy and to learn to take care of the sheep. God had a will for his life. God had a will for him to be obedient to his father. God knew what was happening when he was using that slingshot. and he had, God knew what his will was for David when the lion came to take the sheep and when the bear came to take the sheep. God was working in the heart of that shepherd to love more than sheep but to love the people of God. God was preparing him to be a king. Oh listen to me you don't know what God's will is for the future but God's will for us today is to be surrendered to him. The third thing they were people of faith they trusted God. And I could get stuck a long time here and I'll, on purpose I'm going to make these statements and I, I want you to get these they trusted God. You've heard me say this before they believed in the person of God. They knew that God was the creator. They knew that God was their sustainer. They knew that God directed their life. They believed in the person of God. He was the God, the God that can. He was the God that brought them across the wilderness. He was the God that fed them manna from heaven. He was the God that gave them water from the rock. He was the God that drove away their enemies. He was the God that protected them from diseases. He was the God that kept them from destruction and from hurt and pain when they served him and loved him. They believed in the person of God. Second of all, they, they believed in the promises of God. If God said it, it was as good as done. They were just waiting for it to be fulfilled. They believed in the promises of God. As I referred us this morning to Romans chapter 4, that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. Oh, but last of all, in the most difficult they had faith in the processes of God. Look at me right now. Now listen to me. They had faith in the processes of God. When Daniel went to the lion's den, he didn't give up on God. Now some of you right now are going through a tough time and you think God's mad at you and you think God's mistreating you and you're no different than Daniel that was facing a lion's den. You're in a time of life that was no different than the three Hebrew children faced the fiery furnace. This is not time to get mad at God. This is not time to turn your back on God. This is time to have faith in God. Trust in the processes of God. We can all share stories as we look back in our lives and we remember times we didn't know what God was doing and we, we just couldn't understand. But we and, and, and it was a struggle, but by faith we kept trusting Him and by faith we stayed where we were supposed to stay. And looking back, we realized that God was preparing us for a specific task or place of service. Don't be mad at God tonight in the processes that you're going through. Trust His person. And trust his promises trust the processes of God Joseph trusts God he never lost sight of the dream that God gave him Paul trusts the processes of God Paul I mean life was it seemed like a constant 
failure or setback or persecution and Paul would turn every one of those into an opportunity because he never got angry at God. He just declared that, 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 that all things work together for good to them that love God. I'm not going to quit. I trust God's processes. First of all, they had a personal walk with God. Second of all, they were surrendered to the will of God. Number three, they had faith in God. Number four, they desired for God to get the glory from their lives. Now, I want us to think about this. I want us to dwell on this. They desired for God to get the glory. They didn't want to do something for God so they could become somebody. They wanted to do something for God that everybody would know who their God is. David said it best. When he approached Goliath, Goliath said, you think I'm a dog? You come to me with, 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 with staves, you, you, you're going to throw rocks at me? What do you, you think I'm a dog or something? And he told David. I mean, he mocked him, he made fun of him. Here's what David said. He said, you come to me with a spear, with the armor. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That Israel may know there's a God in heaven. He, he, he didn't say, you're about to meet your match, O Goliath. This country is about to find out who David is. That's not what he said. That's not what he thought. He said, we're about to find out who God is. Can I tell you something? When we come to the place in life that we desire what we do for God to give glory to God, God can use us in a great and mighty way. And as I look at the lives of every one of the men that I've mentioned tonight, they did what they did for the glory of God. Number five. Lastly, they took advantage of the opportunity they had to serve God. What's David's opportunity today? Take this food to your brothers and bring a report back to tell me how the battle is going. That's God's will for David today. And in that simple task, he came back not only with a report, he came back having killed the champion fighter of the Philistines. What was God's will for Daniel's life today? Well, when it's time to pray in the morning toward Jerusalem, he opened his windows and he prayed toward the God of heaven toward Jerusalem. That was God's will for his life today. He, he, Daniel didn't get up and say, today I'm going to go to prison, I'm going to get thrown in a lion's den. No, he said, my, God's will for my life is me for just to praise him. It's interesting, every time Daniel interpreted a dream or even told the king what the dream was, you know what he said? God is the giver. It's not Daniel. God's the one that told me the dream. God's the one that gave the interpretation. It wasn't Daniel. He just took advantage of the opportunity he had to serve God. What opportunities do we have to serve God today? What opportunity will we have tomorrow to serve God? Will it be just to pray with someone in need? Will it be just to give a gospel tract? Will it be to take a stand for right? What will it be? Whatever it is, as small as it is, that's God's will. These men never desired greatness. They desired faithfulness. God's the one 
that brought them to greatness. And so I say tonight, whether a prophet or a prisoner, God just needs a man who will stand. Let's be what God wants us to be this week. Let's hunger for it. Let's pray for it. God, make my life a fire of revival. And Lord, I want it to burn as big as it can burn for your honor and glory. We want our nation, we want our state to know not about us. We want them to know about our great God.